Hello, fellow movie viewers, and thank you for tuning in. I uh, just wanted to give a little context to the episode you're about to listen to. So, as you will probably hear me and Travis talk about it a lot, we like to uh, to kind of review these movies in trilogies. Uh, it can be as strict as everything has fight in the title, or they can be loosely based off of they all had similar poster art, or the same actor, actress, uh, maybe the same score writer. Uh, who knows, but ultimately at the end of the day, we, we try and, and somehow put three movies together you wouldn't commonly have together. And then we'd like to do kind of a bonus episode at the end of all of it that kind of summarizes, or not summarizes, but kind of compares all three of them. Just as kind of a fun way to kind of look at the movie industry as a whole and, and kind of what you see with trends in Hollywood and stuff like that. So this is kind of the first one we're releasing. We had a, a pilot episode we kind of tested the concept out with. We might release at a later time. But uh, ultimately what we plan to do is, is take this content in... Um, and make it kind of exclusive to our Patreon. Give uh, anybody who is interested in listening to us a little bit more some bonus content uh, if, if you're willing to kind of back us up and, and help us continue producing the podcast. But we wanted to, to kind of release one of these, maybe two of them, just to kind of give people an idea of what they are, along with maybe some of the other bonus content we plan on doing. But um, hopefully you enjoy it. Uh, like I said, uh, hopefully it's a little something different than you've heard before. But um, yeah, we'll continue doing these, and we, we hope to find you back here. Thanks. This is the trilogy wrap up. This is the trilogy wrap up, and are we calling? What are we calling this? I, I hate to call it just like fight trilogy. I feel like that's a little generic, and we're gonna fuck ourselves later down the road. But uh, essentially, that is the it is Mortal Kombat, the 2021 Mortal Kombat, the breakup, and then Southpaw. That's what this trilogy was. So the the inspiration was it's it was too. Uh, combatants against one another. So, not necessarily rivalries, but just, you know, two, uh... Yeah. I'm just looking at Two adversaries. Adversaries is good. That's a word I was looking for. Couldn't couldn't yeah. quite find it, you know? So, I think naturally every time we do these, we kind of jump off of the movie we just finished, because uh, it's fresh on our mind, and I couldn't help but think... Uh, about Southpaw and how I thought that, um, you know, our main character is a, is a little bit brainless, borderline punch drunk, doesn't really have any strategy in fights. Uh, if they had half the brain that, you know, their daughter had, they'd be in great shape. I but, thought you were talking you know, about enough about Southpaw. Cole Young. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I just love how that's just the generic, archetype for male so, lead in a movie pertaining to fighting at all it's, it's just yeah so brain dead punching bag is it or did we just luck out and manage to get two that had that because creed's not that way i don't I, it's been so long since i've watched any rocky movies i can't remember i mean sylvester stallone sounds punch drunk but i don't know if he's supposed to be just a punch drunk oh, moron but- Rocky Five, it, it's they no longer imply it. Yes, he's got like long-term brain damage yeah. that he should never fight again. Which uh, that is until the the franchise can become successful again, and then ah, forget all that head injury stuff. But yeah, Rocky Five, very much he was a uh, Cole Young, uh, Billy Hope type. Yeah, it is, and I, I don't quite understand why that. I guess it's because, you know, I think the general audience, when you think of combat sports, you just think it's, oh, it's whoever's the fastest or strongest. But I'm like, there's a lot of 
strategy that goes into combat sports. It just the wrong strategy ends up bloody bruised and broken. So it's like, I don't understand why you always, you have these characters that like they, I mean, at least Cole Young was supposed to be a fuck up piece of shit, but like with Billy Hope, it's like, they're the best that's ever been, but they're dumber than a box of rocks. It's like, I'm like, then then they're, they're probably not the best that's ever been. Like you, I mean, Muhammad Ali, one of the best boxers ever, there were strategy, like the rope-a-dope. I mean, that was literally a strategy he developed against, um, what was it? George, uh, George Foreman. I'm like, it's it's not just about who punches the hardest. Again, there's a lot of strategy, duck, dodge. You know, I, I love to do the rest of the dodgeball, but I don't remember what it is. And it's like, I don't understand when you get into these fight movies where it does wind up like there's they completely avoid the idea of strategy or in, in combat. It just it literally comes down to who's got the, the biggest, fastest fists. Yeah, I don't understand why we haven't found a way to make a, a fighting movie where our protagonist just uses strategy. I guess there's no effective way to, or at least directors feel like there's no effective way to portray action if it's just not nonstop. Uh, like we mentioned, nobody's blocking anything, just repeated blows to the body and the face. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in the old Rocky movies, he'd get knocked down six times a fight. Would he get up again? Um, Oh, you know, the old saying, get knocked down six, stand up seven, which <laughs> makes no sense, but whatever. Um, yeah, I don't I don't understand why it can't be like, hey, he's a very strategic fighter. He happens to run into a, the one fighter who's able to counter what he does best. Like, mm-hmm. that's what makes boxing in, enjoyable to watch. You might have a fighter who is in Billy Cole's or uh, Billy Hope's case you know, won 43 fights in a row. But if fight number 44, if that guy he's fighting has him figured out, it's a lot harder to win. But I, I just don't feel like we see that on screen ever. And certainly not in Southpaw and certainly not in Mortal Kombat. It's it's definitely one of those things that in hindsight, now that we've done it, I really wish my chop shop for Southpaw had just been the plot to Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> and just, and just listen, Billy, uh, Billy Hope is a punching bag who winds up in a, a interdimensional battle for a, <laughs> just completely just steal the plot of Mortal Kombat. He winds up he's part of a legacy of ninjas. <laughs> oh, um, it, it is weird yeah. how interchangeable those two characters. I mean, to the point when you said Billy Cole, I'm like, oh, no, that's actually it. Billy Cole is is really what happened here. <laughs> Which I guess to my point, you know, in the chop shop and what I wanted to mention, because I know I mentioned it at the end of Southpaw, it's funny to me that both of our chop shops kind of were just, we want to just make a a painfully mediocre movie, but at least one that makes more sense. Like neither of us were really shooting for the moon. Uh, You know, I mentioned that this could be 2008's Iron Man, but to your point, they could have just made this be the main character of Mortal Kombat and it would have at least the drama would have made sense in a Mortal Kombat movie. It wouldn't have been quote unquote, like, you know, kind of Oscar bait stuff. It would have just been, Hey, this is Mortal Kombat. So for what it is, the dramatic chops are good. Yeah. It's, I think it's just both of the, the chop shops for this. Like, like, let's just make it fun. Like I'm fine with it being back to like an eighties action movie, like a diehard or something like that. But both of those movies, like Mortal Kombat, for no reason at all, wanted to take themselves way more seriously than they actually were. So, like, it's one of these things where, like, you you didn't quite commit to what you wanted to be, which is, so you wind up not being anything. And it's just, like I said, with with 
with Southpaw, it's like, yes, there's there's some entertaining drama that drove it and the performances from some of the lead cast and then Mortal Kombat on the other side of that was like there's some really entertaining fighting in I would just say dialogue again because it was Kano's kind of you know keeping us going with with his his jokes and stuff like that but like neither one of them really winds up being successful in what they're trying to do because they're constantly like basically like shooting themselves in the in the foot and and, and coming up short you know yeah, 100%. And to to kind of incorporate the the third movie, the trilogy, I don't I don't know if you agree or or had the thought, but Mortal Kombat and Southpaw to me both suffer from a, you know, I know we want to come up with a better term than just fight movies, but ultimately if you are going to have a movie that centers around, you know, individuals fighting one another you want to believe that there's some sort of motivation whether it be revenge just hatred whatever the you know the desire to be the best whatever the case may be but the most compelling uh depiction of two forces in opposition came in the movie that was technically classified as a rom-com in my mm. opinion you highlighted it uh, when we reviewed the breakup but the scene where gary is is getting the lap dance from the stripper and that you know the exchange of looks between the two characters there was more in that than i ever felt in uh definitely mortal Kombat, but really southpaw as well um so I, I just think that's interesting that y- you can you can make believable rivalries and conflict, and it doesn't have to be through any sort of action means. Well, so it's funny you bring that up because I think what's interesting about all three of these movies in this trilogy is all of them were labeled incorrectly or trying to be something they weren't. You know, I feel like Southpaw was a boxing movie dis- or was a drama disguised as a boxing movie. I feel like Mortal Kombat was trying to be a drama disguised as a video game movie. And then I feel like the breakup was a drama disguised as a rom-com. Like they just, it's one of these things where it's like, for whatever reason, they decided to put like this weird veneer on all of them rather than just being what the movie actually was. Like Southpaw was just a drama. The boxing element felt out of place at points like again it was just one of these like it was almost the boxing to me in southpaw was almost the kano to mortal Kombat. Well, like it was just enough to keep you going when really the focus of southpaw was supposed to be the story of a man who lost it all and is trying to save himself and his daughter you know and then they just sprinkled boxing in to try and make a, a motivation to get him from point a to point b whereas mortal Kombat was supposed to be the story of of basically i i feel like a man i don't even know what the fucking story of mortal Kombat was supposed to be again that one was all mixed up like it they wanted to stay so true to the video game which is a, literally a game about just fighting but then they wanted to sprinkle in this weird drama and story about his family and cole's kind of washed and like which made no sense it's like just lean into what the fuck you are you're a fighting movie based off of a video game and then the breakup to me wanted to be a very serious movie about, you know, relationships and, and what it means to kind of, you know, grow up and actually have compromise. And it wound up, again, trying to call itself a rom-com with no romance in it. So it's just all three of these movies were very interesting. And in, in the fact that I don't think any of them actually committed to what they were, were supposed to be. 
Yeah, I think the problem is so often we don't know what goes on behind the scenes. We don't know what the original vision of the creators were. You know, for all we know, uh, the creators of the breakup they were they were hoping to shoot for a more uh, something like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and Tone. But over time, it's like, well, hey, it would sell more if we could put like a Vince Vaughn in it. And then that happens. And then it's like, well, hey, you know, if we had some sort of, you know, Chicago theme, you know, it would sell more. And by the end of it, maybe it's not what it was initially intended. But then the skeleton of of that that relationship drama is still there or, the, you know, the, the Kurt Sutter version of, hey, this is just going to be a gritty street movie. Um, but. People were like, well, hey, we don't want to see a movie about a gangster. What could he do that is still violent, but he's not a gangster? Well, let's make him a boxer. Mm -hmm. You know, you can kind of feel those kind of wheels turning in the background. And that might what that could be what leads to these weird movies where stuff just doesn't feel quite germane to the script and, and the characters and what's going on. Does that make sense? Yeah. And even to kind of play off of that, you wonder if the breakup, how much of Vince Vaughn's character was written that way in the script and how much of that was Vince Vaughn being a comedian and very quick witted was essentially creating his own lines. And because of that, it's like, well, this is gold. We don't want to cut this from the movie, but now it's completely altered and changed the direction this movie needs to go. And they're basically trying to make adjustments on the fly to where Vince Vaughn and the way he's portraying that character makes sense in that movie. Um, almost to go back to like a Caddyshack type thing where like the way that movie was written was not the way it, it was filmed and ended because they had so many comedians and improv artists in there that basically they kind of took it in another direction and you're wondering like, was the breakup the way it was shot and acted? Was that the way it was originally? Like, what is the original script for that movie, I wonder? Yeah, that is a very good point. Uh, you could you could very much see the breakup being a very generic script in the hands of a lot of of creative people. But the fact that you have the Vince Vaughns, the Jason Batemans, I mean, just Vince Vaughn and John Favreau working together is a cheat code, really, mm -hmm. uh, in terms of depicting friendship on screen. So yeah, I could see that being just, Hey, this is a very generic movie. We're going to count on the talent at hand, uh, to make it memorable. Cause I believe with the breakup, he's not credited for writing it, but I believe Vince Vaughn is credited in creating it. So again, I wonder if that's what, did he help create it from the beginning or was it, well, he's altered it enough now that we have to credit him with being part of, part of the, uh, the person who actually made it just because it's, it's so far off of what it originally was. Yeah. I could see him not necessarily being credited for a script, but he's more of like a, an overview of the story. And then, yeah, of course, on a day-to-day -day basis, I feel like he's rewriting everything. Yeah. So the writer, the screenplay for, uh, what was it? The breakup was Jeremy Garlick and Jay Lavender, but the writing for story was Vince Vaughn, Jeremy Garlick and Jay Lavender. So apparently at some point, Vince Vaughn had an influence on the story. So I would love to know at what point that was. Was it after it was approved and greenlit in Hollywood? And then like Vince on like, well, I'm going to go ahead and put my own spin on this. You know, of course, you're not going to be able to get that information easily. I'll call, I'll call Vince after the oh, show. You, you I'll see, see if we, yeah. we, we maybe cut in like a five or 10 minute interview into this. Yeah, that'd be uh, that'd be swell if you could just go ahead and go ahead and do that. So, 
before we get to you know what characters we would like to swap in or out is there any other like direct lines of comparison you can draw between these three movies and and maybe something that one did well that the other could have benefited from anything like that i feel like the breakup tried to establish through their beginning montage that vince that gary and brooke had a relationship similar to um what was it Rachel McAdams was it Maureen and Billy from from Southpaw like it was supposed to be like oh my god they're inseparable and then all of a sudden shit hit the fan or something like that um and that was a a piece that I always missed from the breakup was I'm like I feel like that beginning montage like some of the pictures needed to slowly start transitioning to like they didn't look as happy together to where like when we had the breakup it didn't feel like it came out of nowhere um but you know it at the end of the day, no, I, I think the biggest the biggest comparison I would put between all three of them was, again, I feel like all of them kind of had a, a, a mistaken identity problem. Yeah, identity crisis, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I guess then just to wrap it up as far as the comparison, again, I just can't stress enough, you know, with three movies based around conflict, you know, the movie that well, I would say doesn't have a single punch thrown, but I, I do believe Gary gets struck in the throat at one point. But <laughs> the least violent it movie. Shot. It was a cheap shot. You know, he was half asleep. <laughs> half asleep. You know, look, if he wanted to, he could get some Polacks without a future. Take care of the whole thing. But he rises above if, it. If that's but, where you want to go, we can go there. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't expect you to know anything about it from your ivory tower there, Brett. But uh, uh, yeah. God damn it, you son of a bitch. (laughs) Where the fuck was I going with that? Oh, the movie with the least amount of violence is the movie that I believe the conflict in the most. Um, I just think that's an important lesson. So often now, especially with summer movies, it's like, hey, it's been it's been 18 minutes. We have to have an action scene. I don't think that necessarily has to be the case. I I would rather a movie have two or three action scenes and you give me some some of the the drama and comedy of something like The Breakup than something like Southpaw, which is just there's no humor. There's no joy in anything. There's no real believable through line. Like I said, you know, 50 Cent could have been a villain. Maybe he's not a villain. The movie doesn't want to make a decision on anything. So that's my takeaway. And that's why for me, uh, when we get to the end, it, the breakup's going to be the movie that I rewatch the most out of the trilogy. So I think that brings up a new fun segment for us. Uh, just, uh, you know, I-, I want you to tell me in order, based off of IMDb, we can, we can choose a different area if you want, but I, because I'm already on IMDb. I want you to tell me in order from highest rating to lowest rating where these movies fall. Ooh, I like based, this game. Based off of IMDb, which one, starting at the top, which one rated the highest to which one rated the lowest? Um, South Paul's the highest. The breakup's the lowest. You are correct, sir. Yeah, I'm not surprised. So South Paul came in at a 7.4 out of 10, out of 221,000 reviews. Mortal Kombat came in second, a 6.2 out of 10, with 85,000 reviews. 
and the breakup unfortunately came in last with a 5.8 out of 10 with 126,000 reviews. So it actually has the fewest reviews as well, and it is uh, rated the lowest. I, I feel like that's easy, very easy to explain, and that's exactly why I was able to nail that without looking at it. But uh, do you have an explanation? Because it goes perfectly with well what you were talking about. I, I think earlier. it was. I think it was mislabeled, and because of that, people were not recommending it. So, if the majority of people that went to see this went to see it because they thought it was a rom com, and this was the movie that they got, I don't feel like they came out of the theater and told people they should watch this movie. So, I think it again comes down to case of mistaken identity. If you said that this was a a dramedy or a dark comedy, I think more people would jump on with what this movie, with what the breakup is, and it would have. Uh, propelled that that score yep and conversely even though i think southpaw is the movie that is the shittiest of the three i think it's the one that is marketed the most correctly because i feel like there's just a lot of dude bros uh mma you know big big truck driving guys who want to go see a gritty fight film with Jake Gyllenhaal tatted up. And uh, there's a certain kind of guy that, you know, they don't love women, but they love avenging the death of the woman in the movie. Uh, so I feel like the movie plays the hits with that demographic. So less people are coming out of that movie like, wait, what? That's not what I wanted to see. So to me, that's why it rated the highest. Whereas Mortal Kombat's plainly in the middle because I can see a lot of like fanboys uh, being a little bit too hard on it and expecting more, but mostly it just being exactly what people thought. Mm-hmm. Um, so did you want to move? Did you have any ideas as far as our, our, our character swaps for the trilogy? Have you, I, I, I want to hear your character swap first. What's who? Okay. Who are you? Who are you gonna? Who are you gonna take out of their movie and put in someone else's movie? And how do you think it's gonna change it? So I'm gonna take Johnny O out of the breakup, <laughs> okay. and I'm gonna put him in Southpaw. All right, and I'm gonna do that for for one or two reasons. Because. At the end of the day, these are movies. So if we want to treat them as such, I could see Johnny O being put into Southpaw and it becoming one of two movies. Either A, Johnny O is a good enough friend where he doesn't let this shit happen. Because you remember, Johnny O, as funny and reckless as he was, did call Vince Vaughn out on his shit and help him finally realize, like, hey, maybe I'm a selfish asshole, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. So I could see him talking to Billy Hope before this this fight breaks out that leads to Maureen's death. And I could see this being a much more fun, enjoyable movie. I don't know. Um, have you seen a film called Made with John Favreau and Vince Vaughn, by chance? I have not. So that was their follow-up to Swingers. Okay. Um, I don't I don't believe Favreau directed that, but they starred together. Favreau in that movie actually plays a, a low-level amateur boxer uh vince vaughn plays his fuck up friend as he's wont to do but i could see johnny o being a good balance for billy hope or you could go into the extreme where you'd go into johnny o's bad ideas and he just leads to billy hope's demise even quicker because of his you know hey make a few phone calls police are smart you know <laughs> let's let's get a, a key log tracer um the 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 enemy boxer what was his name miguel miguel 
I, I mean, I bet Johnny O thinks he's Puerto Rican, so he's got an axe to grind with him, even though he's not Puerto Rican. I feel like Johnny O would escalate the situation. So you could make the movie either lighthearted fun or dark comedy fun by by sprinkling in some Johnny O. That's my pick. Okay, okay. I like it. So I was thinking we take Gary out of the breakup and we put him in Mortal Kombat as Johnny Cage. No, I'm kidding. That's not what I would do. <laughs> <laughs> but a somewhat similar fashion, I would take Gary out of the breakup I'm going to put him in Southpaw, and this is what I want, all right? I want Gary to be Billy's new promoter, and I want to see him face off against 50 Cent because Gary is a much more charismatic and wordy person, and I want to see him just run circles around 50 Cent and how 50 Cent tries to promote Billy. And I want to see that. I want to see him, and then I want to see him ringside, like basically like talking to people about what's going on in the boxing match like basically commentating it but not as the commentator as the promoter like he's talking to maureen at the beginning of the movie he's maybe talking to the daughter behind you know when when she finally gets to come to the match and she has to stay in the in the uh what is it the the locker room maybe he stays behind too he makes more sense as her, the promoter rather than having the social worker that i didn't understand why the social worker came God, I forgot to bring that up. Like, why did that social worker give a shit to that level? Why would that be her job at that point? If he's gotten custody back, I don't understand why. Like, was there a re like, was there flirting that happened in a deleted scene? Like, the way she was there made no sense to me. But again, that's I'm you know. But I would bring Gary out of of the breakup, and I would put him in Southpaw as a as the the Billy's new promoter. I, I love that. And I think it's funny. Both of our picks we transported into Southpaw because that movie is just in desperate need of some level of fun. Yeah. Like, I, I can't think of one fun scene in that movie. No, there's not. And it's. And it goes back to what you're saying about Billy is just a fuck up. So it's like it's no fun and you're just constantly watching him fuck himself over. So it's not even like you're rooting like you can really root for Billy because you're like you did this to yourself every step of the way. Even if you want to sit there and say like we're going to take the blame off of, of Maureen getting killed because, you know, someone else he shot didn't her. Pull the trigger, yeah. He didn't pull the trigger. We'll, we'll give you that one. But I'm like everything after that is Billy's fault. The fact that. Apparently, he's not good with his money because Maureen did all of that. And he, he, you know, basically he made money and that's all he did. Um, he gets taken advantage of by his his buddy jo uh, Jordan. Um, he then goes on a destructive spree where he thinks he's going to assassinate Hector out of revenge. He pushes all of his his only friend away, John John, which we never I didn't get to really talk about John John in the episode. But he pushes him away. John John comes back. I'm like, everything that Billy doesn't... He, the reason he can't be with his daughter is because he fucked up things with that. The reason she hates him is basically his fault because he allowed her to get put into the system even though he promised he'd get her out of it. Um, it's it's his fault that they keep extending the deadline because he can't get his act together. Like, at no point does Billy ever well, become... Real quick, yeah. can we also say... John John seemed to be a very good friend to him and was trying to do the right thing for him. And I mean, he very easily could have accidentally killed John John mm -hmm. in the scene where he's putting a gun to his head. Jake Gyllenhaal's clearly, or, you know, Billy Hope's clearly, you know, high and drunk out of his mind. Like you're, you're putting your, 
I, was that supposed to be his best friend or one of his best friends? That's how I took it, right? Yeah, it's somebody he grew up in the uh, in the system with. Okay, so yeah, you could you could throw away a lifetime friendship, not on the level of like, oh, we're just not speaking anymore. You could have accidentally just shot your childhood friend in the head. So, like, at no point is Billy does he redeem himself to be. No, I and and I agree wholeheartedly, and that's and I think that's the biggest flaw with that movie is the movie ends. And I feel like the writer and director and all that felt like, no, see, him and his daughter have made up. And I'm like, that's not, that was one of the relationships, but this movie was about Billy growing up, not about him basically, you know, fixing the relationship with his daughter. I'm like, that was an aspect of him needing to grow up so that he could have that relationship. But, and, and again, that's my biggest problem with that whole movie is like, again, there's all of these pieces of something that could have been great, but like they focus on the wrong thing. Well, I think, and, and you brought up the social worker, I I would be shocked if there was not a romantic subplot that ended up getting cut because test audiences were like, ooh, we feel a little bit weird about, you know, his wife dying really because of him and then he's just moving on and fucking the social worker within, you know, six to eight months or whatever. Well, and not only that, with the whole like, oh, she's supposed to be his, basically his soulmate and all that, he's lost his soulmate, and then, yay, it's like in the same movie, he suddenly finds a new love interest, and like, that's kind of, it doesn't make sense for his character to be that way. Right, and so you gotta, you should just scrap the social worker completely, but they don't, and mm-hmm. it's a, it's a pretty well-known actress naomi harris so it's not like a a random actress so just by casting her i know there's more there but you would think you would have the the good sense to not have a romantic subplot for a widower in this scenario but again this movie doesn't know what it wants to do and it just has 15 dangling threads that go nowhere listen it's a movie about boxing all right kind of Kind of, you know, <laughs> just not as good as Creed or Creed 2 or Warrior or The Fighter or Rocky Balboa, probably, or Rocky 3 or Rocky 1 or 2. So, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, this is the trilogy wrap up. So um, well, and any so- final thoughts, any any other uh quick hitters that we haven't touched on you think yeah and i guess it it does go back to one thing i found with all three films again mistaken identity i had the same problem with all three of them the movie opens up in a completely different tone than i feel like the rest of the movie mortal kombat has that awesome opening fight sequence and never lives up to it the breakup has the whole the beginning montage is all about how they love each other and i feel like the movie went from zero to 60 where like it, it flips on a dime as to like it never really justifies where their relationship started falling apart and then yeah there's no joy in the movie other than the montage yeah to open the movie and then southpaw has that weird like gothic font in the opening sequence where like you know he's he's rocking out to something but the audience like it's a weird juxtaposition where you see he's getting pumped up but the rest of the audience is just like it's a very serious like you're watching him get his hands wrapped up and in all the markings and the signing like where it's showing like no we're a boxing movie it's like but you're not a boxing movie like this is not what this movie was was about and it's another one of those where like i thought the eminem uh, rap track at the end oh, was weird God. for more than one. A, I didn't think it fit the tone of the movie, and B, I'm like, you had 50 Cent in the movie, but you had Eminem do the rap track at the end. I'm like, I don't understand why you did this. <laughs> because again, that's why 
Southpaw scored the highest because they had a very specific target audience and they delivered what that audience wants. I mean, it's just like Sons of Anarchy is is they just have to have an occupation. It's a motorcycle gang in that case, but it's really about family drama. And in this movie, it's it's really about family drama, but he's got to have a profession that people think is manly boxer. That's all it is. Yep. So I guess those are my final thoughts. What about yours? Uh, I just, I, I know it ties into other movies we've discussed out that outside this trilogy, but it just continues to blow my mind about how Hollywood is just so concerned about making the perfect product and appealing to as many people as possible. But it's just that old saying, like a friend of everyone is a friend of no one's. I, that's uh, just prime examples bookend this, this, this trilogy for me, Southpaw, to attract talent like Jake Gyllenhaal and Rachel McAdams, and then for this to be the kind of haphazardly slapped together product where there's clearly multiple cooks in the kitchen, I, I just it's disappointing. Uh, I wish the breakup uh, was was more successful because I think it it took the most chances. Uh, so it's just interesting to me that the, the complete opposite is true. The movie that just tried to please as many people as possible, specifically affliction, tap out, wearing. Eminem listening people is the one that scores the highest and probably is going to be the quote unquote best remembered. It's just weird to me. It's backwards. I think the scene to sum up Southpaw the best, and there is a scene to me that sums up the entire movie is the scene right after the, the fight where, uh, what's it? Miguel was talking shit at the press conference, right? And the next scene is Jake Gyllenhaal, Billy, and Jordan talking in what appears to be like the tunnels in the stadium or something like that. And it is 50 Cent is there and has the fewest lines possible. And it is Jake Gyllenhaal having an excellent performance around 50 Cent. And to me, that sums up the move. That scene sums up the entire movie where it is Jake Gyllenhaal acting around the rest of the movie. <laughs> Yeah, because I think Rachel McAdams, I think, is on Jake Gyllenhaal's level as mm -hmm. far as quality of actor, but you, you kill her off so quickly. And the rest of the movie, there's just not any strong acting to go against him. Like there's like some of the lines delivered by his corner men, like his corner men look to be amateur people that maybe just aren't actors. They're actually involved with fighters. But that's just weird when you're contrasting it with Jake Gyllenhaal and Jake Gyllenhaal is just emoting. And like, I can't even remember what the guy says, but you can just look. He looks like he's on SNL and he's reading a cue card. And so, yeah, every time that kind of stuff happens, you're just like Jake Gyllenhaal is like Michael Jordan in 1993 playing pickup basketball at the Y. Well, and even in that movie, not to, to continue ragging on it, but like thinking back to him, like, most of the scenes in that movie, it is either Jake Gyllenhaal acting or somebody acting like with, not with, but like with Jake Gyllenhaal in the scene. Like even when Forrest Whitaker is talking, like when I talked about the drunken master scene, like Jake Gyllenhaal has almost no lines in that scene. It's Forrest Whitaker monologuing with Jake Gyllenhaal there. And I feel like that was the majority of the movie. Like very few times did you actually have, except at the beginning, did you have two actors acting with one another it was it was just it was monologues basically juxtaposed with talent in the room like it's again just weird just weird the way that that movie was shot 
Yeah, again, I, I, I keep hammering on it. It was shot like TV. It felt like a product created by someone used to doing television because that's the same way you know basic network drama happens like you think about lost all your favorite scenes are one character monologuing to another so i think that's just the difference between you know solid tv production and actual cinematic uh you know ventures so mm-hmm. yeah cool cool all right you got anything else no i think that'll do it i think that'll wrap this trilogy up yeah all right well folks it's been a pleasure stay tuned for our uh, our next trilogy and wrap up bye